0: You don't need me, and I don't necessarily need any individual in here, but we just need each other. We need God and his local church. That's God's plan for us. So, Brother Brad, if you'll come speak to us today. And we're dismissing the junior church at this time, so will have all the young people in
1: Good morning. Take your Bibles and go to Genesis 35. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are several underneath the pews. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, Genesis is the very first book. So, Genesis 35. So, if you look under the pew right in front of you, there's probably a black Bible, and you can find Genesis 35. I want you to see exactly what I'm saying from the Word of God. I don't want you to trust my words. That may sound weird for a preacher to say that, but I want you to see exactly what the Word of God says. Preachers have sold a lot of people a bill of goods in years past, but the Word of God stands, it it will always stand, and my words won't leave this room. But the Word of God is eternal, and that's what I want us to grab onto today. Genesis 35, if you've got your Bible open, we'll read a few verses here in a second. I want to say, just before we start as well, uh, Pastor already mentioned it, we're having special meetings this week. I know it may be weird, maybe may be odd to go to church on a Sunday night. Who does that? Well, our world is interesting. We challenge ourselves to do different things and weird things. A few years ago, several years ago now, we all challenged ourselves to dump ice water on our head. Do you guys remember that? we did. I did. I don't know why. We challenge ourselves to do different things, but is it that odd to ask God's people to come back on a Sunday night? You know, what you were going to watch is going to be recorded and watch it later if you wanted to. There's nothing saying you can't, but let me challenge you to draw nigh to God as we saw in Sunday school, and he will draw nigh to you. I realize some of you have work schedules or perhaps just physically aren't able to get out. And some of you may know that about other people in this church. And some of you don't drive at night, I get that. I would challenge you and encourage you to seek out somebody else to bring you here. And if there's some members of the church that know about other people that don't drive at night or can't get out, maybe swing by and get them. Tonight's at six, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at seven. We're going to be focused, we're going to be brief, we're going to be seeking God for what he would have us to learn and know and how to grow And we want to see God work in our hearts and lives. I need God working in my heart and life. I don't know everyone's spiritual story here, but I do know this. There's a God in heaven that is desiring a relationship, better relationship with you than even you have right now. And some of you have a great relationship with God. Take it to the next step. Some of you are just like, "Eh, God, who's that? Church, do I need this? And I can tell you honestly that God has incredible plans and designs and dreams for your life. Ones which we can't even imagine. Here we are in Genesis 35. It's a familiar story to many, and perhaps you are like I am, where you grew up knowing the story of Jacob, but perhaps some of you don't. Just out of curiosity, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, how many of you know the story of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You would know the story of Jacob in the Bible. Okay, a number of you. Some of you didn't raise your hand, and that's fine. Uh, Jacob is a unique story. It's one of my favorites. Of course, when you're reading through Genesis, I love the entry, I love the creation, I love the... the, the the, uh, all the formation of the world, the, the fall, all those things. But I love reading about the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So look with me in Genesis 35, and the story picks up in the later part of Jacob's life, and it says this in verse 1. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother." God calls Jacob to get back to Bethel. We're going to talk about that in a second, but I'm going to make the supposition this morning, and I'm going to prove it, that God is desiring all of us to get back to Bethel. God desires all of us to come to him. And some of you are thinking, well, Brett, I'm not far from God. Well, let's let the word of God speak to us. Let's let his book change us and challenge us from within. And while I pray here in a second, would you pray quietly and just ask God to help us be honest? Again, I don't know spiritual needs. You, many of you I recognize. We've been here a couple times before, but we make our home in Indiana, not South Dakota. It's still cold there this morning. Don't worry. I, we are, we, we've interacted with this church a few times. We're here for some special meetings with the youth rally yesterday. And I don't know everyone's background. I don't know everyone's spiritual condition, but I do know this. There's a God in heaven who, even in the next 30 minutes, wants to get your attention, wants to talk to you through his word, wants to change you eternally because of the truths that his Bible says. Will you let him? Will you let God work? Father, would you work in our hearts this morning? Would you help us to respond and see ourselves in these stories? Perhaps there's someone here who has been running from God. Perhaps there's someone here who is far, far, far from where you would have them to be. Perhaps there's others here who are doubting the sincerity of God's love, who are doubting God's goodness, who are questioning everything they've been taught or they were raised in or they've known. And Lord, perhaps there's others who are just struggling, afraid, tired, worn out, wondering if God still has a plan for their life. Would the message this morning, would your truth challenge, change, convict? Would you use this familiar story to change us from within? Lord, we need you. I need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, many of you know this story, but it's important to find out before we just jump into this text what's happening here. Who was Jacob's grandfather? If you know the answer, just shout it out. Abraham. 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 Father Abraham, great man of faith. Incredible man of God. His dad was whom? Isaac. Isaac. If you were listening, I said it a few minutes ago. Who was Isaac's wife? Rebecca. Now, I know this is in Sunday school, and some of you are like, ah, I didn't come to church this morning to try to remember things. I get it. But I want us to try to get the picture here. Isaac and Rebecca had how many children? Two. What was special about those two? They were twins. And do you remember who the older one was? Esau. Esau was the older one and in fact there were special predictions and you can read about it for yourselves in 25 and 26 but there are special predictions there that the younger would actually, uh, the younger one would actually lead the older one. The older would serve the younger. Esau is this hairy man he's this man of the field as we find out Jacob is not a man of the field he's the man of the tent, he's a man of the kitchen we could say and it's a unique compl- uh, complication in their life who liked uh, Esau? Which, which, uh, which parents? Isaac. Isaac did. That's right. Who liked Jacob? So right away you have this problem. You have these twins who are growing up who are completely, vastly, as vastly two different people could be. You have Jacob and Esau. Jacob's not a man in the field. Esau's a mighty hunter, a hairy smelling man, obviously, as we found out later. So there's division, there's friction, there's all these problems. Isaac is more of a passive individual. He's not this big man of faith like his father Abraham. Though he is recorded, he was given the promises, he is in the hall of faith. He is like, he, he's one of the men we look up to. But you have Jacob and Esau. Early on, Esau came home. We don't know how old exactly it would appear, maybe 20s. Esau comes home from hunting and he's famished. He says, oh, I'm going to die. And Jacob is the supplanter. In fact, that's what his name means. He's a trickster. And if you have a family member like that, don't say it out loud. But Jacob's the trickster. He's the one who's thinking. He's always thinking. He's got, he's got something up his sleeve. And he says, okay, yeah, I'll give you this, this mess of potage, this soup that I have. But you've got to give me the birthright. Now, in that culture, the birthright was twice as much as what the other kids got. So if there was two kids, the, the, the inheritance would have been split up three ways. The elder would have gotten two of those portions, two-thirds, and the younger, one-third. So Jacob knew what he was doing. He knew the temperament of his brother. He knew how profane his brother was. And empty his brother and said, and his brother like, sure, give me the, I'll give you my inheritance. You give me the mess of pottage, and he traded something that was incredibly important for something that was only lasted a few hours, food. And so Jacob goes on, and it's clear that Esau is against his parents. He does things repeatedly against his parents, and he's not for his parents. Jacob is a trickster. He's a supplanter, He's a quiet guy, but he's thinking. He's using his conniving ability to deceive. Well, the ultimate story comes in the fact that you can read it for yourself. Again, I would encourage you to do it that Isaac thinks he's going to die. It was pretty premature because he actually lived for about four more decades. So he's pretty premature in this death, death thought, but he thought, I'm going to die. And so he calls Esau, Esau, go get me some venison and cook it like I love and bring it back and make it for me and I'm going to bless you. This is an absolutely true story in case you're wondering. And Esau goes, okay, dad, and goes out and cooks the venison, and it, will go it goes out to get the venison. Well, mom, Rebecca, hears behind the tent curtain door and says, hey, Jacob, come here, quickly, let's do this. She conceives this plot, we're going to deceive dad. Remember what happens? I find this fascinating. Esau was one hairy dude, because <laughs> Jacob put the skins of the goats on his arms, and smelled like a goat, And went into dad to deceive dad. And dad's like, you smell like Esau. You feel like Esau. That's one hairy, smelly, outdoorsy guy. And But dad's like, but the voice is of my younger son, Jacob. But he gave him the blessing anyway. Well, a short time later, Esau comes home, makes the meat, brings it. Dad, I'm here. Give me the blessing. And Isaac's like, wait a minute. I just gave the blessing away. The great deception. And Isaac and Jacob and Esau and Rebecca are all thrown in this frenzy. In fact, Esau is like, I want to kill my brother. And Rebecca goes into Isaac, oh, this is bad, this is bad. You think you're kind of part of this? And Isaac goes in Rebecca and says, Well, Rebecca goes into Isaac and says, We gotta get Jacob out of here. And sure enough, they can, can get this plan together to get Jacob up north to Badan Iran, modern-day Turkey, several weeks' journey north. So he can go find a wife. I have a question for you. you can, the Bible doesn't explicitly say in, the text, say in the text, but you can actually do the math if you go back and add it up. How old do you think the twins were when Jacob tricked his father, Isaac? Shout out the number. 12? 17? 40? You can do the math yourself. They were 77. Talk about a guy living at home till he's late. Yeah. Yeah. 77 years old. Do the math sometimes. And that's not me. That's actually several Bible commentators who have gotten together and done the math. And they go backwards from where he was. 77 years old. So on his way north, he makes a pillow out of stones and he lays there and he has this incredible dream. And in the dream, he sees angels coming down a ladder and going back up a ladder. God gives to him again the same promise that Abraham had given him and Isaac was given. The place is called Luz. It was one of our questions yesterday in in the Bible bowl. But Jacob renames the place Bethel and he has this incredible spiritually important moment in his life. Perhaps the first time at 77 that he's had this spiritually important moment. And he calls it Bethel. It's a place where he knew God is real, God is good, God's going to take care of me, God has a plan for me, God is doing something in my life. A place of spiritual importance, a place of spiritual uh, bigness, we could say, if you pardon my word, if you could use that. I want to ask you this morning, obviously those stories happened almost 4,000 years ago, but what about you? Is there a place in your time or a time in your life or even a place? Yeah, I remember the, the little church, the Bible ch- preaching church I went to as a kid. I heard God speak to me. I remember as a, I, was, I was a tender teenager and I was listening to God. I remember as a young adult and I'm facing parenthood for the first time, I, I pleaded for God to work and I was, God was close. Is there perhaps a time where you could look back to where you were closer to God than you once were? Where we could call that your Bethel, your house of God where God was speaking to you, God was working with you, God was doing something in your life. And then oftentimes, as what happens, and many of us, we get busy. Maybe not bad things, maybe not evil things, though sometimes, oftentimes, in this this room perhaps, some of you could give story and testimony of the fact that evil took you away from truth, evil took you away from God. Well, the story of Jacob goes on, and many of you would know the story, that he goes up and he works for his future father-in-law, and he meets his future bride, this plural obviously not an ideal situation not god's intent but he was just going along with what was for the day do you remember the one he wanted to marry what was her name rachel and which one did he get on the wedding night leah and we think we get surprised after the honeymoon that was a surprise waking up to what you thought was going to be your sister-in-law as your bride read it for yourself sometimes it's an amazing story He's like, no, 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 dad, I wanted to work for this one. This is the one. Well, you can, it was not our custom. You can work for her too. Work for me for another seven years. So sure enough, he works for 14 years for these two girls. And one of them he doesn't even love, but she's the one that has the babies and the other one can't. What a mess. And then you throw thrown the concubines there and you have an absolute mess of a household. During that whole time, he's not walking with God. He's not raising his children to walk with God, because we see their actions and their reactions in the next couple chapters. It's an absolute mess. You have a man who is a man of God, and in fact, mentioned as one of our fathers of the faith, and yet he's not walking with God throughout his years of his eighties and nineties. He's pursuing the, the dream. I can't call it the American dream. Maybe we can call it the Turkish dream. Whatever. He's pursuing the dream. God blesses him incredibly. He's wealthy beyond abundance, and whatever he touches turns to cows and sheep and cattle. He is a wealthy man of the day, and yet all the same time, though, his, his father-in-law is tricking him and making it incredibly uncomfortable, and he's realizing, I don't belong here. And in spite of this 90-year-old man who really hasn't walked with God, who's been a trickster, a supplanter, not a nice person, not a person you wouldn't, would want to do business with, not a friend you'd want to be close to, in spite of all of that... If you keep your finger here in Genesis 35, look back with me at chapter 31. We see what God does in verse 3. In Genesis 31, 3, it says, And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers, and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. Here's a man who has not walked with God, who has not raised his family in the ways of God who has not done what he should do, who has not been an upstanding citizen. In fact, the next few chapters shows that it's not good in the Jacob household. And God says, hey, come on back. Come on back. Get back to the land where you were. And I'll be with you. Here's a man for all intents and purposes who's been living for himself, living for the dollar. Obviously, I I know they didn't have dollars back then. He's been living for material possessions. He's been living for himself. And yet God says to him, come on, come on back. And I don't doubt that through circumstances, even recently, there's some in this room whom God is is talking to you. God has used disappointment, issues, physical infirmities, health problems, economic setbacks, family issues to try to get your attention. Say, hey, come walk with me. And the question that is up for you and I is, are we going to listen to God? Are we going to listen to God's still small voice when he speaks? And to Jacob's credit, in spite of what he has not done as a man of God and all his failure as a family man, what a mess, what not to do. That's what you find in Genesis 28, 29, 30. In spite of all of that, God comes to Jacob and says, Hey, walk with me, come on back. I don't know stories here. I don't know where you're at spiritually. But if this church is any representation of the normal church I preach and I can tell you that there's many in this, li- in this room this morning that you've got to be honest. You've made mistakes. Me. Me too. Yeah. And the question is not whether or not we've made mistakes, because let's be honest, we're all broken. Religion tries to cover. Religion tries to shield. Religion tries to polish. The gospel says you're broken, you're dead, you can't, but God can. And the fact is that we have an incredible choice in our life. Are we going to listen to religion and try to do better? Well, I need to get to church to try to do better. I just need to try harder. No, 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 that's religion. And this may sound odd, but I'm not I'm not very much for religion in life. I've traveled the world. I've seen what religion has done. It has enslaved. It has lied. It has deceived. It has helped people polish up White as sepulchers, in full of dead men's bones. What is needed is not religion in this world. We need more religion. No. We need Bible churches. We need relationship with the Holy God that only comes through Jesus Christ. And if you're here trying to polish things up, trying to help things up, well, we're facing some rough patches, so we need to get into church. We're facing some difficulties, so we need to get back into church. Our kids are reaching an age, so we need to get back into church. Friend, as admirable as that is, you're missing the point. We need it all along because we're always broken. Not just in our times of need, we're always broken. And again, Jacob hears the gentle call of God. And the first step back to Beth for Jacob is to listen. Are you listening? God speaks throughout our life. Sometimes he even shouts in our pain. He speaks in our happiness Are we willing to listen? Jacob did. But not only that, Jacob gets honest. Jacob gathers up his possessions. He gathers up his flocks, his herds, his family, his servants, everything. And he starts to trek south back to where he's from, the plains of what is now modern-day Israel. And he starts to trek south, and it's a several-month venture now. He's going slowly. He can't go very fast through modern, what we would call Syria, through where he was in upper northeast Turkey, down through modern Syria, down back to where we would call Israel today. He's heading back south, and he has this encounter because he hears that his brother Esau has gathered several hundred men. He's coming to meet him. Well, that would strike fear in your heart because the last thing you heard of your brother is that he's going to kill you. And you know his temperament because you lived with him for 77 years. (laughs) And you know, this is not a reasonable man. So he is scared silly. And he organizes things. He's still conniving. He's still working things out. He's still trying to do all this stuff. And he thinks, oh, maybe I can figure this out. And he wrestles that night with an angel of the Lord. An amazing story. Look in Genesis 32. And look what the story says here. He wrestles with the angel of the Lord. And the angel, in verse 27, says to him, what is thy name? Now, Jacob's in his 90s at this point. If you're just reading this casually, you may be tempted to think that Jacob has dementia. What, what is my name? I don't know. What is my name? Oh, no, that's not what's happening in the story. Jacob is having to confront himself. He's, having, he's listened to God. He's heading back in spite of the opposition. It's been the easiest stay in Padan Haran in some ways. But he's listening to God. He's heading back to where he needs to be. But the angel says to him as he wrestles, what is your name? And Jacob's having to realize he's having to get honest. It's Jacob. I'm Jacob. I'm the trickster. I'm the splanter. And friend, in order to get back to Bethel, we've got to listen to God, but we also have to get honest. You look at these young men that I was actually encountering one recently who just can't come to grips with the fact that they're the one to blame. Well, it's my pastor growing up. It was my family growing up. And I'm not saying family was perfect. No one's family is perfect. I'm not saying your church was perfect. You think you find a perfect church as soon as you join it, it's not perfect anymore. <laughs> right? Ain't no such thing, this side of heaven, of a perfect church. But we can't blame it. Well, it was it was my, it was my parents. The, the rules. That's the, the reason. I, it was my job. It was my former spouse. It was my employers. My kids. It's my. P- we blame everything, but you're never going to get back to where God wants you to be until you take take credit and take on- ownership. It's me. It's me. And Jacob got honest. What's your name? As he wrestled I'm Jacob. I'm the trickster i'm the dad who has failed i'm the husband who hasn't loved like christ i'm the spouse who has been having problems i'm the failure in the in the party i'm the problem it's me oh lord standing in the need of prayer and friend if there's hope for anybody there's hope for you and i because when we get honest we can get back to god the essence of repentance is not penance or listing out of sins. Several religions have this repentance act that you do that you just list out your sins. Why well, I did this, this, this. No, repentance is getting honest. God, you say this about the sin and I have done it and it violates your holy law. It violates your character. This is what you say about it. You get honest about who you are. And friend, as long as we're blaming, as long as we're making excuses, as long as we're uh, minimalizing what we've done, we can't get back to that place where God wants us to be, that place of Bethel. But if you'll get honest, if you'll get broken, you'll say, God, it's me. There's hope. There's hope. There's incredible hope. You know the story many of you do. During the same time, God changes Jacob's name to what? Israel, Ezreal, friend of God. Wouldn't you rather be have your name changed from Jacob's supplanter, trickster, deceiver to friend of God? I would. And obviously, he's not perfect from here on out, but his life is remarkably different. He gets honest. He realizes what's happening. But, you know, he goes and he buys this land in this, he buys. If you look at the end of chapter thirty-three, verse nineteen, he buys a parcel of field and he spread his tent, and he buys this land back in his home area. So he comes back, he buys this land, and when he does, his kids want to get to know the other kids. His daughter goes out to see the other girls. You know, teen girls always like to get together. It's it's universal, right? We know that. So these teen girls get together, and during the course of it. The men, the young men of the city, see this beautiful young damsel that just came from up north, and they do violent, wicked things to her. Well, Jacob's sons take offense to this, and rightly any family should. And they go in through deception and trickery, slaughter the entire village. Now, let let me ask you, what was done to Dinah, was that good? No. But what Jacob's kids did to the village was that good. No, it shows us that Jacob's family is not walking in truth. He has failed in every capacity. His wives are idolaters. They're not worshiping the one true God. This is an absolute mess, absolute mess. This is the type of family that you would avoid on the bus route. This is the type of family that if you, you, you had dealings with Jacob's family, you'd be like, no, eh, no, no, who wants to get murdered? Not me, not I. You know, this is the type of family that if you guys, well, hey, there's this new family just moved to town. Pastor, we're going to stop by their tent next week and pick up their 10 kids. This would be great. You get to know their family, and some of the men of the church would go to pastor. Hey, pastor, I don't think we should pick up this family anymore. This, This is not good stuff right here. This is not a good family. This is not people you want to hang around with. These are murderous, idolatrous pagans. And that's Genesis 34. So Jacob's very aware of this. God's very aware of this. And look what it says in Genesis 35. It's amazing if you stop and think about the context, what God says in Genesis 35. Look at it again. We read it just a few minutes ago. Look at it again. Genesis 35, verse 1. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel. Wait a minute. Hold hold, hold, time out. Did God know who Jacob really was? Absolutely. Did God see what had just happened to what Jacob's kids had just done in murdering the entire village? Absolutely. And what did God say? Come on back. Let's go up to Bethel. Come on back to Bethel. Friend, I don't care what your past has been. I don't care what your failures, what your hang-ups, what your emotional, psychological term would be, blick would be. I don't care what it is. There is a God in heaven who desires a relationship with you and I. But Brett, you don't know what I've done. I don't know what you've done, and you don't know what I've done. And we're thankful for that. But I do know this. No matter what you've thought, said, done, no matter your actions, there's a God in heaven who, if he would go after Jacob and say, come on back to Bethel, he's coming after you and I. And the fact that you're seated here this morning is proof again. It's no accident. It's just, oh, it just happened, chance. The car started. It just happened, chance, on today that I'm here. No, it's not. There are no accidents. It's the proof again that there's a God in heaven who loves you immensely. In spite of what you've done, in spite of who you think you are, God knows who you are. And he says again to you and I, let's get back to Bethel. Jacob is listening. He's honest. He's realizing his exact condition And if we're listening to God, if we're honest, and if we're realizing our exact condition, you and I will hear God say, hey, come on, walk with me. But notice it doesn't stop there. Jacob, as it says, if you read verse 1 with me, follow along, just follow along, I'll read it. And God said unto Jacob, "Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. So here you have 20 years later, 20 years working and walking for himself, not God. God still says, Jacob, get back to Bethel. Get back to that place of special spiritual significance in your life. Get back to the house of God. Get back to where it was and stay there. Dwell there and build an altar. Worship me. Walk with me. Know me. Serve me. Look at verse 2. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. He knew that in order to get back to walking with the God of his fathers and his grandfathers, he knew that he had to do something different. He knew that the God of the Bible is a holy, just, righteous, yes, loving God, but God hates sin. And he knew that we've got to do something different. He knew, he realized, this is, this is my fault. But we've got to put away the garbage. We've got to put away the idols. We've got to put away the trash. He knew his failure as a father to lead, to provide, and protect, and to spiritually guide us home. And so he said, hey, kids, let's get off that app. Hey, kids, let's put away that magazine. Hey, kids, we're going to throw away that DVD. We're going to stop that streaming service. Hey, kids, we're going to stop that. And I realize he didn't have all that back then, but it's idolatry nonetheless today. And he said, no, we're going to stop this. We're going to lead and we're going to follow God. I'm sure his wives and kids didn't appreciate it at the time. But they at least had enough respect for dad to do it. I don't know all the intricacies of the home at this point. I don't know where he's at, but he he obviously had the obedience. Obviously, maybe God was starting to work in some of his kids' hearts. Look what it says in verse 3. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the the oak which was by Shechem. So Jacob took, took personally the fact that we've got to be clean. We've got to walk with God. We can't look at this garbage. We can't do this. We can't act like this. We can't participate in what this world says to participate in, because God has called us to go back to Bethel. No doubt today some of you know exactly what's led you away and what's leading you away. It's found right here on something like this. And perhaps it is that God is telling you specifically, hey, time to sign out, time to log off, time to get out of that. Time to stop watching it, time to finish, well, you know, I need that farm report. I need need the, the... you can get it other ways. Well, I, I enjoy the streaming service, but you know what's tripping you up. You know what's keeping you from walking with God. God's given you the grace, the ability to say no to it. It's time to purify, to get back to Bethel. Notice verse 5. So Jacob listens, he's honest, he realizes his sin, he purifies his life with what God, he knows what God's doing. And he says, verse number 5, And they journeyed. Now, if you were listening a few minutes ago, we find that they had just bought land. They had just settled down. They had just put the tent pegs down. They had just gotten connected and started. It would have been easy. Well, you know, you know, you know I'm, I'm close to God. I can be close to God here. But God said, come on. Come on. It took action. They, they clearly buried the charms. They buried the idols they got rid of. But they also moved from the land that he had just purchased and sometimes God's people think to themselves, well, I, I know God is moving. I know God is calling. I know God wants me to change. God is doing something in my life. But I don't want, I don't want to leave home. I don't want to leave here. I don't, want to, I don't want to uproot. I don't want to do that. And I can tell you, I can tell you, I can tell you there's nothing worthwhile not seeking God. No matter how hard it is. Friends, we've got to get back to Bethel. And if God called me today to move to Timbuktu, which is a real place in Africa, by the way, I'd go. I'll do it. Yeah, I don't want to inside. I, I like the USA. But God, we, we, we've got to be willing. Friends, we have to be willing to obey God. And Jacob shows, I, I don't care about this land I just bought. My relationship with God is far more important. God is calling me back to himself. God is calling me back to Bethel. And I want to go there. I want to dwell there. I want to worship there. And he did. He journeyed. And notice that God protected him in the terror, verse 5, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all the people that were with him. And he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. There Jacob's life begins to change. He gets back to Bethel. I don't doubt this morning that there's many in this room who you may not be far away. You may not be in a far country as the story of the prodigal son says. But you're not where you could be. You're not where you should be. And God's speaking to you. God's talking to you. He's using this word this morning saying, hey, come home. Come back. One final truth I want you to see and I don't want you to miss this. Look back with me at Genesis 35 verse 1. And God said unto Jacob, You idiot! Get back to Bethel! Is that what it says? Could God have said that? Would he have been just in doing so? Don't miss this. Did God know all about Jacob's failures? Did God know about Genesis 34? Absolutely. He sees everything. And what did he say? Come on. Come on. Come on. Walk with me. Let's go back to Bethel. Dwell there. Stay there. Worship me. Serve me. But God, I, I've made so many mistakes. Yeah, God knows. He knows. He knows. God, I've I've messed up in my family. I've got so much mess. Look at the life of Jacob. What a mess. Four wives. Well, two wives. Yeah, whatever. What a mess. But God, I don't think there's... If God came to Jacob in his 90s and said, Hey, come back to Bethel. There's hope for you and I too. Don't miss it. But as long as you and I are willing to look at our religion our goodness, our standards, our convictions, what we have to offer to God, our, our whatever, we're going to miss it. Could it be that God is using the challenges, the difficulties to help us see that we're broken? We don't have it. And that's the point. we got to start listening to God. We've got to get honest. We've got to realize who we are and how our sin we Perhaps it is we need to start putting away the garbage that's in our life and God is saying, hey, again, To some of you dads, to some of you moms, even to some of you young men and women, hey, put it away. Walk with me. You know what's keeping you from me. You know what's keeping you from church. You know what's keeping you from walking with God. You know the habit. You know the advice. You know what's keeping you, and God has given you and I the victory and the power to say no to sin through Jesus Christ. Don't miss it. David said in, I think I wrote it down right here, Psalm 18, Thy gentleness... Has made me great, and yes, we see the the fierce, vindictive judgment of God, and we will one day see that on this earth. But I'm incredibly thankful that in situations like this in Genesis 35, we see the incredible patience and long suffering of our God, who says to us, to you and I, come back, walk with me, back to Bethel. Again, friend, I don't know where you're at spiritually pastor didn't inform me, well, this person here and this person here. I, no, no, no. But I know my heart. I know my life. I know the hardness of the deceitfulness of sin that comes infrequently, as Hebrew says. I know where I get hard in my thinking. I know where I, I, I don't conform to God's standards. I don't conform to God's book. I know what I happens in my life. I know what I need. And I'm incredibly thankful that a wonderful, loving, incredible God in heaven says to you and me on a consistent basis, come home. Come back. Back to Bethel there's hope. If you have ears to hear, there's hope. Don't make excuses. Don't harden your heart. Don't push it aside. Listen. Come back. Perhaps you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ. The answer for you is not religion. Religion has never saved anybody. But a relationship with Jesus Christ Is what you need. Well, I believe in Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. The demons believe in Jesus. They know he's the Son of God. They're not going to heaven. Well, I'm I'm here on a Sunday morning, so I'm not against church. Again, that's not what I'm talking about. There must be a time in your life where you realize I can't. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. And you've felt it, we've all felt it, the weight of sin. And you know, you, you know, they go to the university they'll say, well, that's just a man's construction of religion. And they'll weigh well, it away. That's what the Greeks did. We don't believe in that stuff. Others are like the Jews. They say, well, let me help you with this. We've got some religion for you. Try harder, do better, get baptized, catechize, compromise, be really penitent, really sincere. And they have all this list of stuff. And at the, at the end of it, you know it. You still don't have the guilt of sin taken away. There's only one answer. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He's perfect. Never one time sinned. He paid for your sin debt. He paid for mine. And if you and I will abandon what we think we can do. It's not my works. It's not my goodness. It's not my church membership. It's not my baptism, catechism, none of that. It's Jesus Christ who died, was buried, rose again. He's the son of God. He's the only way. Wait a minute. He said it himself. He's the way, the truth, the The life. As a little boy, I was brought up in religion, but I realized my religion couldn't save me. I was a sinner. I knew it. My parents helped me with that. But I realized I can't save me. And as a little kid, I simply said something like this. I don't remember the exact words, but I said something like this. God, I can't save me. It's Jesus Christ who died, was buried, and rose again. It's not my religion. It's not my church membership. There's nothing I can do, nothing I can earn. It's by grace alone. It's a gift. I don't deserve it. I didn't know all the special, big theological words of the point, but I said, I can't. He can. I'm trusting him. If you've never done that, this morning, you can. You can place your faith and trust in Christ. It's not my works. Not my church. I can't. I'm a sinner. I know it. I know what I've done. I know the mess I've gotten myself into. But he can. I'm trusting him. And the Bible says clearly that you will be made right with God. You'll have your sins forgiven. You'll be at peace with God. You will spend eternity with him one day in heaven. Wow. What an exchange. What a gift. What a savior. And that same savior says to you and I, even after salvation, even after we've messed up, Come on back to Bethel. Come on. Walk with me. How about a friend? God's calling. You can respond. As we finish this morning, could we just all bow our heads and close our eyes? I don't know people here. I don't know your heart. I don't know your religious background. But I want to ask you to be honest this morning. Again, I, I don't know who all is here and who normally there would be more, I'm assuming, because of the weather. There's not. But God knows you. And you can deceive me, but that doesn't help anybody. And in fact, it hurts you. Would you be honest this morning and say, Brent, it's me. I see it. I'm Jacob. I'm the trickster. I'm the supplanter first question is this. How many say, Brent, I have trusted Christ as my Savior. I have placed my faith and trust in Christ. I know it's not my good works. It's not my church. My righteousness is in Jesus Christ. That is my testimony. Christ died for me. That's it. Not my good works. And I know it. I'm going to heaven because Christ died for me. Would you lift your hand to that? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Many hands. Thank you. Put your hands down. I didn't see everyone's hand. And I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not calling anybody out. But I do want to pray for you. Is there anybody here this morning that would be honest enough just to say, Brent, I don't know I'm going to heaven? Or maybe you'd say something like this Brent, I I walked in today thinking you had to be good, do good, get baptized, live a good life, that type of thing. And what you're saying is different than that. And now I'm curious. Now I'm confused, even. Now I have questions. Maybe you have questions, or maybe you'd simply say, I don't know I'm going to heaven. I I don't know that I've done what you've talked about, trusting Jesus alone for that. I don't know about that. I have questions now. Friend, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. Would you lift your hand just quietly? No one else is looking. Just quietly so I can see. I got questions. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm just going to pray for you quietly. I'm not going to call you by name. I'm not going to announce it to the church, but I want to pray for you. I don't know. I got questions. I'm not sure. Just lift your hand a little, slightly up just so I can see it and then put it back down. I don't know. I'm not sure. I got questions. Thank you. I see that. I'm not going to embarrass you, friend. I'm not sure. I don't know. I got questions. Just so I could see it and you can put it back down. Thank you. I see that. Friend, if you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, you can do exactly what I talked about. Even if you didn't raise your hand just now, you don't know, I don't don't know, Brent, I'm I'm somewhat religious because I'm here on a Sunday morning. Inside, simply say something like this, God, I can't save me. I realize I'm a sinner, and today I'm trusting Jesus Christ, who died, was buried, and rose again. I can't save me, but Jesus Christ can. I'm trusting him today. If you will do that this morning, God promises he'll save you. My final question is this, before we have an invitation, I'm going to turn over to Pastor. How many say, Brent, this morning, I'm a Christian. God spoke to me, though. I see, i got to be honest, I've been Jacob. Or maybe you say, I haven't gone as far as Jacob has, but I see what God is doing, and I sense that God is calling me back to Bethel. And God is speaking to me specifically, and God used his word, the story, the narrative of Jacob, to challenge, to change, to mo- motivate me. God spoke to me this morning. Would you lift your hand to that? god spoke god challenged god god used his word praise the lord praise the lord praise the lord praise the lord pastor's going to come we're going to have an invitation this is a chance for you and i to respond to the truth as god has spoken it to us
0: again if the lord has spoken to you and you know that you're saved but maybe you just need to get back to bethel let's take the time while the piano plays for you to talk to god about that but maybe you're here and you were the one that raised your hand and you say you're saying i'm not sure i have questions about my salvation Uh, please come up front and, and talk to me or see me right after church and say i want to talk to you i need to know more i need to understand what it means to be born again but as she plays let's stand to our feet if you need to come do so and talk to god about what he's talking to you about today always, we are available to talk answer questions, and including today right after church, please stay and, and visit and talk and ask questions if you have for me or my wife or someone that can show you from the Bible the answers to those questions. Maybe someone's interested in baptism or church membership, and all those things can be discussed. But let me tell you something, baptism or church membership won't get you to heaven. And, uh, and so the most important thing to understand is salvation, that I know where I'm going when I die. And you will die that's going to happen and so knowing that you are saved and born again and on your way to heaven and having that salvation new birth in christ is something everyone has to have i think most of the people probably raised their hand and said yeah i do know where i'm going because they have been saved that's why we came on a freezing cold day to church because we know we're saved and we want to honor god and, and listen to his word but maybe someone here doesn't know that for sure and uh, you need to know and understand salvation and maybe that's a question you don't have confirmed and understood in your heart and please talk with me again or my wife or someone about salvation that you don't leave here today still having that question and then if there's other questions about baptism or church membership and anything like that those can be answered as well but the most important of course is our personal relationship with Jesus Christ that's the reason or why we do what we do to reach the the world with the gospel and to glorify God. And so thank you for being here today, and I appreciate the message. Tonight, we're going to sing the cover, the back cover of our hymnal says, Back to Bethel. And it's based on the message we just heard today about getting back to the house of God, getting back to where God would have us to be. And, of course, that starts with our salvation. But then beyond that, there's so many other things that we need uh, that God has for us And he's the one that invented church. And so it's a good thing when it's his way, it's the right way. And his word, his church is the way to go. And so I'd encourage you to be back tonight. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for being a fanatic and coming to church on a cold morning like today. And hopefully we'll see you again this evening. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to hear it preached and taught. And thank you for how your word can speak to hearts. Your word makes the difference. Thank you for how it was illustrated and explained through the message today but help us to recognize it's just you and your word that that we need we need to follow it obey it heed it submit to it be humble before you we ask that that would happen anyone that's not saved that they would just find your salvation today we ask in jesus name amen